Well, before we start beginning reading the word, come on, let's pray. Come on, bow your head real quick. Let's pray. Father God, here we are in this place, in this hour, in this time. We've all come here from different experiences, different backgrounds. Uh, journeys are all different. But Father, we're under this one roof right here. And we've read in the book of Revelation that whenever this thing called the church gets together, Jesus said, you're going to be right here with us. And so we know you're here. We can't see you, but we sent you. And we ask you to help us today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, a heart that'll be open, that we can be changed today by what we're getting ready to hear and what we're getting ready to partake of this communion meal. We ask you today in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, one more time, amen. amen. Amen means so be it, so so be it, right? That prayer be so in your and my life. Uh, we're going to start in the book of Exodus chapter 12 in just a second, so if you want to turn there, you can go ahead and do that. If you've got a Bible or a phone or whatever you're carrying with you. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, if you know the story or if you've seen the, the Ten Commands with Charlton Heston going way back, or kind of you've seen the Prince of Egypt, kind of a little bit of the same story, uh, we, we see that, that the story begins where God comes down and calls a man named Moses, burning bush. The bush was burning and yet it wasn't consumed. Moses goes over there and God talks, starts talking out of the bush, calls Moses to do a task he can't do by himself. The nation of Israel had been in bondage for over 400 years. They had been in slavery for 400 years. What we pick up from the, from the last chapter in the book of Genesis is that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, they were the four main characters, if you will, in the book of Genesis where God comes to Abraham and then that blessing was passed on from generation to generation. Joseph is then working for Pharaoh. And, you know, the seven years of plenty, the seven years of famine. Joseph saved the nation of Israel, but the kind of story ends where the nation of Israel got a new Pharaoh and they didn't remember what had happened. And so the nation of Israel was progressing and they were increasing and they were growing larger and larger. And Pharaoh at that time says, these guys are getting stronger than us. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to put them in slavery. They took away all their rights, took away everything from them and made them slaves, built them cities, all that kind of stuff that we know was happening up until that point. 400 years of this is going on, 430 years to be exact. And God just says in his time clock, it's enough, it's over, it's done. God calls this man named Moses to let my people go. And he comes to Pharaoh, the mightiest man on the earth, and he says that, let my people go. And he, you know, what, what are you going to do about it? Right, he throws the rod down, the rod becomes a snake or a serpent, eats up the other snake and serpent from Pharaoh as he did the same thing. And we, we know the plagues then started happening. He, he dips the rod in the water and it turns to blood. There was an outbreak of lice. There, there was fire like hailstones that came down another, another plague. There was the, the, the plague of the frogs. Uh, plague after plague, nine plagues. And Pharaoh says, I'm still not letting them go. I'm still not letting him go. And yet God comes on the scene. He says, we're going to do something that's going to end all this nonsense. It's going to be the final and the very last plague. We're going to pick that up in Exodus chapter 12. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household's too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your account for the lamb. If you've got a small house, get with your neighbor and y'all get together and do this. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. 
then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it, the lamb, at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, on the lintel, the houses where they shall eat. And they shall eat the flesh that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall not let not any of it remain until morning. What remains of it until morning burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Matthew 26, verse 26 through 28, I'll read New Living Translation. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. One last passage, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, let a person, a woman, examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. These three passages of Scripture have impact into what we're going to be doing today, taking communion. It's so uh, amazing that God's heart we see from the Old Testament to Jesus' life, what communion means, and the explanation even from what the Apostle Paul tells us in pretty graphic detail what was going on and what God thinks about communion in 1 Corinthians that has such impact and emphasis in our life that I, I, I beg of you not to come to this time 
to think this is just something I've done since I'm a kid and really hasn't got any bearing in my life until now. On the contrary, the power of what we're about to do can completely change your life. We got one amen up in here, but that's all right. In Exodus chapter 12, what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to look at that first account. We'll look at the second account with Jesus and the third account and just bring some explanation to what we just read to get us all on the same page so that when we partake of what we're getting ready to partake of, we're able to partake of it in faith with expectation that your and my life is actually going to change today. Because I fully believe today, listen to me, that today your life can completely have a turnaround. I'm telling you, I just, I fully believe it based on what we're about to do, based on what we're about to do. I know when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, that, that you have a complete turnaround and we'll read a scripture that directly says that, but there's something about coming to this meal because here's what I know and you're in my life, even though I've had a turnaround and I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life like you, how many of you have had some times that you need to turn around and turn around and turn around a couple more times? Yeah. Yeah. Communion speaks of that. Here's what God told Moses. He says this. It's crazy. He says, this month, this month, this day that we're doing this, he says, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It shall be the first month of the year to you. The first month. God says, listen, nation of Israel, your entire calendar is going to be turned around that this day, this event is going to set your January 1st, we would say. Everything in your calendar year, the way it has been, this event historically happened sometime in, in the spring, you know, March or April. But God says, it's no longer going to be March or April in our mind. This is January 1st to you right now. And I, we, we all go through things that, you know, toward the end of a year, end of December, we all think about the new year, New Year's resolutions. God's saying, I'm, I'm not going to give you a New Year's resolution. I'm going to do something in your life and around your life, and I'm going to break the hold of the enemy off your life forever and ever that you're going to come back and you're going to say, this is a brand new beginning. This is a brand new start. This is a brand new day for me. So listen, come on, somebody get excited up in the house today. It's going to change. Come on, it's going to change. Come on, something's going to change today. Man, so communion, check it out. Listen, it means restart, begin again. Don't stay where you're at. Everything changes from now on. That's what he says. This is going to be a brand new day. I know, God says, you've been in bondage for 430 years. I know, I know the litany. I know the addiction. I know the alcohol. I know the sexual promiscuity. I know all the pain. I know all the drama in your family. I know all the no's you've got in your life. I know the jail cells that have come in. I know all the shackles. But today, it all stops. They had nine plagues before, but God says, I'm going to get ready to do something on this night that's going to change everything. It's going to sever the hold of the enemy. How many know over the book of Revelation, it says in Revelation 21, Jesus talking, and he says, behold, I make all things new. Come on, how many know that day's coming? 
Behold, I'm making, it's like when it's all said and done, new heavens, new earth, I'm changing everything. Listen, you and I are setting ourselves up to be seeing some things in this day, in this time that you and I live in that nobody else has ever seen before. Where God, if if we lived when Jesus comes back, man, what an amazing thing. But if you die and go to heaven before he comes back, let me tell you what, he is still going to be making all things new in your life. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, he loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. Every single day is you get up, you got to believe God. This is the day the Lord has made. Come on. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. God's going to do something amazing in my life. Come on. I got breath today. Come on. He made me alive today. Come on, somebody. Come on. There's hope today for me. Come on. There's hope. for I got a bright future today because of Jesus. That's what he's saying here. This new beginning. Listen, this new beginning for this nation of Israel really represented their new life. They didn't even know. Listen, they didn't even know how to get free. Because what what I mean by that is even when they got free, after God dealt with Pharaoh, dealt with the nation of Israel, when they got free, they wanted to go back. They they were saying when they were in the wilderness, when they were walking, and, and God gives them water miraculously out of a rock. God miraculously gives them food to eat every day. Yet they said, we long to eat the food of Egypt. And listen, here's what I know. Even though God can get you out of sin, you got to be careful with yourself wanting to go back in sin. Even though God broke you free from that addiction, it's still your flesh and my flesh longs for certain things. Communion says, I'm going to sever the hold of that in your life. Over in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, is a scripture, man, kind of connected with what I think about, that God's going to make all things new and God's going to give him new life. A scripture we know quite frequently around here. We talk about it. The Apostle Paul wrote to this church at Corinth, and he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? Old things have passed away. Come on, somebody. Behold. Come on, behold. All things. Come on, read that. Behold. All things have become new. Come on. Come on, help me, church. Come on, y'all sleeping on me today? Help me. All things become new. Come on, all things. All things become, come on, all things become new. Come on, wave your, come on, wave your head at your neighbor a little bit. All things become new. Come on, all, come on, what you, come on, no, all, not, not just, not just some things, all things become new. But, but he says this, check out what he says, but he says, behold, behold. Look at that word, behold, behold. That's not just an, a word there that, that's not, a, a, you know, insignificance. The word behold means you've got to stop, you've got to stare, you've got to study. So many times in your life and my life, even though I know I'm free, even though I know the power of communion, even though I know the power of the resurrection in my life, I have let things and you have let things creep into your life that disengage you from the very life of God, that God is requiring you and I to stop and stare at him. And behold, therefore, you set me free. You saved me. You delivered me. I'm not that guy. I'm not that girl. I'm not that run around. I'm not chasing skirts. I'm not lying, stealing. I'm not gossiping. That's not who, that was who I am, but that's not who I am now. I, behold, I'm a new creature in Christ. I've got to stop. I've got to realize that. And the power of communion brings us back to this realization. God had set these people free, and yet they wanted to go back. Man, this new beginning, listen to me. I'm just challenging you this morning that this new beginning meant a complete deliverance from their past. 
It meant a complete deliverance from their past. So God's not saying, look at the way you used to be. Let me, let me talk to you. Maybe one day you'll get out of that. No, 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 no. God severed the hold of a nation stronghold in their life that they were in bondage. If he did it for them on a very physical level, he will do the very same thing for you and me on a spiritual level, on a mental level, on a social level, on a financial level. He'll break poverty in your life. He'll break addiction in your life. He'll break the crazy thoughts in your life. He'll break the, 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 the desires to keep doing something wrong. He can power, he can power that down and power the Spirit of God up in your life. Come on, he knows how to put a new operating system in you called the Holy Spirit, who is God in you, leading you and guiding you and directing you, keeping you from things and moving you towards things. Listen, communion speaks of a brand new beginning. Anybody in the room say, I want a new start. Come on, I want a, I want a new start. I want, I want, to, I want to start over. I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny with the grandkids now. You know, we're getting to enjoy kids again at a very small uh, small start like, like, like we all do when we have kids and then you start having grandkids. It's really interesting because I didn't quite pay attention to the journey when I was so busy with four kids, you know. But now that I've got grandkids, it's kind of interesting. Uh, like, for instance, one of our granddaughters, she want to play a game. And, and, and when she plays a game, she's in charge. Come on, she's four. So you're going to play my game. And so, Poppy, you're here, and, you know, Alma, you're here, and, and I'm here, and, and you wear this, and you do this. And, and when the game doesn't quite go the way she wants it to go, guess what? We're starting again. <laughs> We're just starting again. And listen to me. I love it because that's exactly what communion does. And it's telling us there's a new beginning for us. Come on, everybody. There's a new beginning for us. But, but you don't know what I've done and you don't know what I've been involved in. There's a new beginning for you. I don't care how you rolled up in church right now. There's a new beginning for you right now as we get to partake of this. The Apostle Paul says something amazing in the book of Romans. Let me just kind of give you two scriptures kind of blended together. He says this, when he, Jesus, died, he died once to break the power of sin. He did it once to break the power of sin. And now when we died with Christ, meaning you died to yourself and you said yes to Jesus, we were set free from the power of sin. When he died, he broke the power of sin. Well, how come I'm not free? No, no, no. But when I said yes to him, when I said yes to him, he set me free from the power of sin. I got to keep that before me and beholding that. I have been set free. I know I got desires that want to go take me back to Egypt. I know I got feelings that want to take me back to Egypt. Because I'm out here in this new land of promise, even though I know Pharaoh's been dealt with, even though I know the problem's gone, I don't feel like it's gone. I have these feelings and I have these emotions that want to take me back. But he says, I have been set free. It's been severed. I wonder how many Egyptians had crazy, or, or Israelites, had crazy dreams of the shackles of parents and grandparents, of slaves making mortar and brick for a crazy pharaoh. I wonder how many nights they would wake up screaming about what they went through, even though they were free. How many of us, you might not wake up in the night with screaming, 
but there's thoughts in your soul and there's things that are moving you away from God and the enemy wants you making bricks for an ungodly Pharaoh again. God wants you free. God wants you free. The word that God told Moses, he said this, every man take a lamb for himself. If your house is too small, go with somebody else. Make sure the lamb has no blemish. We know this, that John the Baptist says this about Jesus when he had a couple of his disciples and he, Jesus just walks by. John the Baptist, who was his cousin, says, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ was and is the lamb of God. The lamb was a type of Jesus Christ. The lamb which takes away the sin of the world. No blemish has to be unstained. It was a perfect sacrifice over in the Old Testament, what these guys had to get. Now in the New Testament, we know that this is exactly who Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. The Lamb had to be in and for your house. Get the Lamb in your house. Get the Lamb of God in your house. Get Jesus in your house. Joshua says this in Joshua 24, as for me and my house, come on somebody, we will serve the Lord. Come on, can you say that? We will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord up in here. We're not going to serve Netflix. We're not going to serve money. We're not going to serve, we're not going to serve gossip. We're not going to serve crazy stuff going on all around us. For this household, we're going to serve God. Now, now, now we're just going to serve God. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're going to put the Lord God before us. We're going to behold. We're not going to go back into slavery. We're not going to go back shackled. We're not going to act like that. We're not going to talk like that. We're not going to think like that. We're not going to do like that. We're not going to be like that anymore. We're brand new. We're brand new on the inside. We're going to be brand new on the outside. Come on, everybody. Not a Sunday thing and an everyday thing. Come on, we got the lamb in our house. Come on, everybody. How many of y'all got the lamb in your house? Come on. Yeah? Yeah. And what he told them to do was to kill the lamb. Take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost. Remember that we read that? Here's what it says in Exodus, 20, uh, Exodus 12, verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. God talking, when I see the blood, what does he say? I will pass over you. So we get the word Passover. I will pass over you. The blood represented a barrier. It represented a barrier. Blood on the doorposts, again, symbolic of the cross. Symbolic of vertical and horizontal. Blood on the doorposts. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. No blood means death. Well, I just don't, I just don't agree with that. Could, could there have been? We don't know. Could there have been uh, an Israeli family, a Jewish family, we would say, that just said, you know, we're going to eat the lamb, but we ain't putting no blood in our house. I, I, ain't, I ain't doing that. The Bible says the firstborn in the house and the firstborn animal would have died, even though they had protection. That just simply tells me that it's important for me to understand the power of this sacrifice and the power of what can pass over my life and not get into my life. What everybody else was going around in the culture did not have to come into my life and my house. Well, this is just the way it is. Don't you know this is the culture and this is what's happening all, all, all around us? That's not what he says. He says if there's blood, the death angel will pass over. 
I think it's important for us as we look at, again, this Old Testament analogy and bringing it into the New Testament. The Bible tells us how they applied the blood. They didn't have paintbrushes per se, but they had a hyssop branch. And they were to dip the hyssop branch in the blood of this animal, this lamb or this goat, and they were to apply it, physically apply it. What does that mean to us? That means to us in the New Testament that we apply the blood of Jesus over our life with the hyssop branch of our tongue. We take our words, we take our tongue, we use our mouth, and we speak words of blessing over our family, over our lives, over our bodies, over anything that we're dealing with, over our past, over our present. We speak the word of God. Am I talking to anybody in the room today? The application was necessary. The application of the blood of Jesus over your life, speaking what God says is necessary. Well, I just, I, I, just, I just hope it comes to pass. That's not what he says. Oh, you have to apply it. You have to apply it. Apply the blood of Jesus over your life. So listen to me. I, what, what we do around here, when I pray for you, I plead the blood of Jesus over your life. I pray for my family every day. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. My family, I list them by name. My family, my, my, my wife, my four children, and my four grandchildren. I plead the blood of Jesus over you. You're in the right place at the right time. You're never in the wrong place at the wrong time. Come on, the number of your days you're going to fulfill. You're not take, getting taken out early by sickness, by disease, by death, by destruction, by famine, by pestilence. Come on, plead the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody, plead the blood of Jesus. Now, now, don't be saying, well, I'm glad you're doing it. No, you do it. Come on. You get a lamb in your house. You do it. Amen, everybody? So, so what, what, what we know from the New Testament, again, the, the, the spiritual application from the Old Testament is that we speak and we declare what the blood of Jesus Christ has done and will do. What it has done and what it will do. Again, the blood of Jesus, the blood uh, well, this lamb, we could say the blood of Jesus in the New Testament analogy, would be the blood on their house. The blood on their house meant God's presence within and meant God's protection. It meant God's presence. Is in, God's presence was right. It, it, while, while all this chaos was going on around them, God held them. God protected them. And then God also protected them. His presence in your life and his protection on the outside of your life. Well, you don't have to fear. You don't have to, you don't have to be, be all scared of, 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 going to Wal Listen, of going to Walmart and getting shot down. I'm still going to go to Walmart. I'm still going to go to work. I'm still going to drive on the highway. I'm still going to get in an airplane. I believe God. Come on, let's believe God. Come on, let's just believe God. Man, he tells him this. He says, eat, eat. When you eat this, he says, eat with your belt on, around your waist. Eat with sandals on your feet. Eat with your staff in your hand. Listen to me. God says, eat. When they're eating, you need to be ready to move. You need to be ready to move. You need to be ready to change. God wanted them prepared to leave. God wanted them to understand your environment is getting ready to change. 430 years, this is all you know. This is the way it's always going to be. This is the way it's always going to be. No, 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 no. Not this night. It's a beginning. It's a new beginning. Mark it. It's a new beginning. You get a lamb. You kill that lamb. You roast it with fire. You eat all of it. You burn the rest. Don't leave anything for morning. You take that blood. You put on the doorpost. I'm coming this night. 
And this night is going to be a demarcation where Pharaoh is going to let you go. And I'm going to pass over your house. And I'm going to visit the house that I don't see blood. This night, everything's going to change. But you have to be prepared to move. I'm tired of my life being this way. I'm done. I'm tired of having a marriage like this. And I'm just saying, I'm putting on my waist and I'm girding my belt and I got some new feet, new shoes, and I got a staff because I know it's not going to change one day, one week, one month. I'm prepared for a journey, a lifelong pursuit of my life changing. I want to be who you made me to be. I want to fulfill your purpose for my life. So I'm committed for the hard time. I'm committed for the screaming time. And if you hadn't been there, you hadn't been there. Where you're just, God, change me. I don't want to be this man or woman anymore. I'm eating today communion, expecting change. My addiction's going to be changed today. My lust is going to be changed today. My greed is going to be changed today. My anger is going to be changed today. My passion for God is going to be changed today. My love for Him is going to be changed today. Come on, anybody in the room? Yeah. Anybody ready for change? Yeah. 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 Come on, Luke 25, Jesus sitting there. The second story we read, we read it from Matthew, but Luke says this. When Jesus is there with his disciples, he says to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before, before I suffer. I, I, before I suffer, I, I, I'm eager to eat this with you. I, I, I think it's really so pertinent for us to understand that Jesus suffered in so you don't have to. You, you don't have to suffer for your sins anymore. I, I just think that, that so many people kind of go through life and they, they're Christians and we, we love God and, 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 and we, we, we know some of the Word of God and, and we come to church and you could be listening to me this morning yet somehow in your mind you think you've got to pay for what you've done. And, and, and that, that thing is over the top of you all the time, and you just kind of like can't get out of it. And it's, 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 it's like this invisible ball around you, and, and, and you struggle to believe that God could really do something amazing in your life. And yet Jesus says this to these 12 that are there, and one of them is Judas with desire. Man, I've, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And you, he knew that they were going to be martyred. They, they knew that they were, they, they were taking a death sentence to, to believe Jesus. And, and that's exactly what happened. But Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that suffers for you. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one that does the heavy lifting. I'm going to be the one that, 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 that pays the ultimate price so you could be made right with God the Father. I'm going to be that. So listen to me this morning. This morning, you don't have to suffer for your sins anymore. Communion brings us to the place that he was broken, he was bruised, he suffered, he died so that you and I could be free. Can you say amen? Here's what we read. Look on the screen. Concerning the bread, he, he took the bread. He took the bread. That just simply tells you and I, take hold of Christ's body and let it take hold of you. He took that bread. He took it. 
He physically took it, knowing this is, this is going to be my body. He, he blessed it. He, that's what it says. He blessed it. Uh, understand today, listen, communion speaks to you and speaks to me that you're blessed, that you've got grace, you've got favor of God on your life. I am, I'm not trying to get blessed. I am blessed because he is blessed, and now he's living in me. I'm a, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. Everything he has for me, I have access to. So it, it's not, I, I hope I can get, I have access to it right now. We, we've talked about that many, many times. I'm not, I, I, let me just challenge you. Don't, don't be the person, as I've heard so many times, you know, it just seems like I'm cursed. How, 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 when he says you're blessed, how could you ever be cursed? You can't be cursed if he's blessing you. He took that bread and, and he broke it, the scripture says. He, he broke the bread that he was broken. Listen, he was broken so you could be whole. And let me just challenge you to think this way. Your, your life is fixable today. It's just fixable. There's nothing that can't be fixed. There's nothing that you've done so wrong that, that's, that's cha you know, you know, completely changed God's view of you. You're fixable. Every single thing that you've done, every single thing that you've done up until now ha has and can never separate you from the love of God. That God's love for you will constantly track you down and chase you down. He, broke, he was broken. He took the bread. And he was broken. This bread represented his life. He was going to be broken for you on the cross. He then did something. He gave it. He gave that bread to these 12 that were there. Communion means your life isn't just your own. Your life is now to be given out to other people. It's not just your own. So God, you saved me. Father God, you've delivered me. You gave me Jesus. You, 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 you brought me out of Egypt, if you will, and you brought me into a land of promise. You, you've completely broken the hold of Pharaoh in Egypt over my life. You've broken the hold of the devil off my life. The blood of Jesus has completely set me free. But it's not just enough for me. Now i got to give my life to other people. And then lastly, he says there, he just said, eat it. Eat it, eat it, eat, eat this bread. Be consumed with what consumes Jesus. Eat the bread. The bread represented Jesus. Eat it all. Jesus then said, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out, he said, as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. That really, what one New Testament theologian said is that communion is the confirmation of God's covenant agreement between him and you. Communion is the confirmation. Does God love me? Does God have a plan for my life? Does God, will God forgive me? Communion says yes, yes. So today, from wherever you're at, whatever background you've come from, whatever you're facing, ever how long you've been in whatever you are in, today can be a brand new beginning. Can you say amen? amen. Isaac, come help me here, brother, will you? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll finish here with just some thoughts before we partake of this all together. 
Paul says this into the Corinthian church. He says, again, what Jesus said the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he, he took bread. He, he instituted this communion. Jesus knew what was coming, and yet he passionately connected with these disciples that were right there. He says this, Paul says this, that we, don't, that we don't read other than what Jesus said earlier, but he says this and gives us a little bit more indication. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. What he says is actively call to mind who Jesus is and what he's done. Actively call to mind. So before we come to this communion time, what he says is do this remembering him. Who is he? Who is he to you? Who is he to you? He's Savior. He's healer. He's provider. He's shepherd. He's my deliverer. He's my king. He's my Lord. He's my Christ. He's my Messiah. He's my first. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one who will never change. Come on, somebody. You say, you actively call to mind who he is. Come on, you, he's my peace. Come on, he's my joy. He's the forgiver of all my sins. Come on, he's the restorer of my heart. Come on, he's a, he's a dream. He gives me a new dream, a new vision. Come on, he'll never abandon me. He'll always love me. He'll chase me down like in Luke 15, the prodigal son. When I come back, and I smell of pig mess because I've been in the world running from him. And I come back to him and he sees me a long way off and comes running to me. Come on. God's running to you today. Communion speaks that he's running. And he's not saying, you get cleaned up of all your stuff and I'll give you a hug. The father hugs the son and runs home and kills the fatted calf and they have a party. Guys, that's heaven. Guys, that's life serving Jesus here. Communion says, will you stop where you're at and will you come to your senses to say, the Father wants me home. Do this in remembrance of me. So communion is a proclamation, Paul says, a proclamation of Jesus' death, what he did for you. So look on the screen. Come on, would you make a couple confessions for me, with me? Here's what it actually says, a couple words. Come on, read this out loud. One, two, three, read. I receive all that Jesus has done for me. I'm forgiven, saved, redeemed, chosen, called, accepted, blessed. I have strength wholeness, sufficiency, and provision. Anybody like that this morning? Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. So come on, let, let that be. Come on, we're gonna receive communion. Let, let that be in your life. Come on, let that be in your life. Come on, dip your tongue in the blood of Jesus and just say what he's done for you. That's what he's saying, that's what he says. But Paul says this, just conclusion before we partake. He says, make sure that you don't eat or drink in an unworthy manner. What's that mean? Didn't say you were unworthy. He said just don't eat or drink in an unworthy manner. Meaning that each of us examines ourselves in light of God's word and whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. So we'll have a time just in a couple seconds before we begin. 
Number one, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're, you, you're running from him. Before you take communion, you, 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 you got you, you to slip on his side. We'll give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe it's just been a religious thing, and today you're going, man, I never heard that before. I'm in. I want to go in. Cool. We're going to pray. We're all going to say a prayer out loud. You won't be the only one praying it. We're all going to say a prayer out loud. Making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Maybe you're away. Maybe you're running. Maybe, maybe you're doing your own thing. Paul says, this is, listen, he says, this is serious. He says, this is serious. This isn't just some religious thing. This isn't some trinket. This isn't some little traditional thing we do in church. He says, make sure before you eat or drink that you don't do so in an unworthy manner. He says, you've got to shine the light of God's word and the light of the Holy Spirit, what he's speaking to you on your own heart. And you've got to say, where am I really? Where am I? Are there things in my life that I know are displeasing to you? Then I've got to ask you to forgive me. From the word of God that I know. There's the things in my life that you're speaking to me that really the word of God doesn't say specifically. But I know it's just not right between me and my wife or husband or me and my boyfriend or girlfriend. I, I, I've been doing my own thing. I've been running my own life. And and I'm coming today because I'm touched. There's a touch on my heart to say something's just not right. He says, you've got you've to handle that before you handle this. Before you take this in you, you've got to get something out of you. Because if you don't, you and I will partake in an unworthy manner. Improper self-evaluation is what Paul's saying thinking it's no big deal to God. I do whatever I want to do. It's my life. Paul says, you will bring judgment to your life. Paul says this. He says, what's that mean? He then goes on to tell us. It's serious. He says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Many die early. Many don't live out the number of their days. Many are, again, weak and sick, and many die early sleep. So that simply tells me that weakness and sickness and dying early just isn't God's plan. Isn't God's plan. So I can come to this meal, and you can too, and I can come, and I can open up my heart, and I say, God, <laughs> you know and I know what I'm dealing with. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And I want to change that this today that we're about to do is going to be a new beginning, a new change. And I'm committed to it. I got shoes on my feet, waist, the belt. I got a staff. I'm committed to the journey of change and the duration of change. I want to be a new person. I know I am on the inside, but I want to be a new person on the outside. How I deal with everything and every person that comes into my life, and I'm going to judge myself. This that we're about to partake of is called the communion meal, and yet it's only a little wafer, a little, little juice. 
what I know about it is even though it's small, it fills your life because it's a reminder of who Jesus is and what Jesus Christ has done for your life. So he says, take, eat all of it. Eat all of it. In the Old Testament, that lamb, eat all of it. Get all of the lamb in you. As we partake, and before we do, in just a couple seconds, go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. Come on, no one looking around. What I want to do is we want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Before we take communion, are you right with him? Is he Lord of your life? Have you surrendered your life to him? Are you living your own way, doing your own thing? Maybe you've prayed a prayer before and Maybe you've run, as we said a moment ago with that story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. Maybe you're running today. But somehow right now your heart's penetrating your very consciousness and you're saying, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. We're not talking about joining the church. We're not talking about signing a document of membership. That's cool. We, we, we believe in that around here with getting on a dream team and serving. But today we're talking right now do you know him? What would happen today if, God forbid, this was your last day on earth? Where would you spend eternity? So before we even take communion, what we do around here is just having just a few seconds, raise your hand. That's just simply saying, include me in that prayer. I'm away from God. I don't know Jesus. I'm doing my own thing. I want to change today. I want this to be a brand new beginning for me. We're going to say a prayer out loud, and we're all going to celebrate, and we're going to clap real loud for you because we believe that there's great rejoicing in heaven. So from the front to the back, from left to the right, from teenagers to the aged, if you don't know Jesus, come on, when I count to three and you want to be included in this prayer, just lift your hand and God's going to come running into your life. Come on, all over the room. One, two, three. Come on, you don't know Jesus, lift your hand. You want us to pray for you, include you in this prayer right now, all over the room, anyone at all, raise your hand. We want to pray for you. Jesus, Jesus' name, touching hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right. Praise the Lord. Come on, everybody look at me. Let's do this. Go ahead and grab your communion element there. Open that up for that first part, for that wafer. If you need one, yeah, grab a hold of an usher there. Does everybody have one? If you don't have one, raise your hand. We're happy to gift you one. Awesome. Go ahead and open that wafer. Grab it in your hand right there. Again, symbolic. This is exactly what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago with his disciples. Jesus is reminding them and talking to them. They're reminded as Jewish men of Passover, the power of it. They would eat with bitter herbs, we read, symbolic of what was actually going on, the bitterness of the toil and what was happening for 430 years. But Jesus said, it isn't about that anymore. 
It isn't about the Old Testament. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Jesus was broken, so you don't have to go through a life of brokenness anymore. Your life can be whole and restored, one with the Father and one with other people as well. Amen, everybody? So come on, grab that piece of wafer and just snap it, break it. Yeah, yeah. Let's partake. Father, we thank you today for the life of God, the life of Jesus. In our lives now, we receive of the body of Christ, the very Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Partake. Thank you, Lord. Come on, grab that juice. Open that up. Again, the juice symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ that brings wholeness in our life. If the blood of that lamb that was killed and the blood collected and then applied on the doorposts could cause God's presence to come within and God's protection from without, how much more, the book of Hebrews says, will the blood of Jesus Christ deliver you? Come on, today, a new beginning. Today, eat and drink. Again, I'm admonishing you with shoes on your feet belt on your waist and staff in your hand for change. Everything changes today. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that removes the stain and the power of sin. That we're new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. We've been raised and we've been seated. We've been justified and we've been declared righteous by our Father. We partake of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ today. And it's working in us that we will not go through our life weak and sickly and afflicted and tormented any longer. That all stops now. We release our faith and believe you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, partake. Amen. Can somebody say amen in the house? Can anybody in the back say amen? Can we praise God? Just a second up in here. <coughs> Come on, everything changes. Come on, everything changes. Come on, everything changes. Come on, all things made new. Come on, behold, I do a new thing, he says. Shall you not know it? I'll make a way in the wilderness. I'll make rivers in the desert. Come on, all things new. Come on, stand up. Come on, somebody. He makes all things new. Come on, it's a new day. It's a new season. In your health, in your family, in your business, in your mind, in your family, in your kids. Come on, everybody. Do it, oh God. Do it again, oh God. 
restore and revive, refresh. Come on, all, come on, everybody, all in the room. Come on, I just sense. Lift your hand. Would you do that? Just refreshing presence of God. Fall fresh on us, O Holy Spirit. Come on, fall fresh on us, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're God. You're God in the earth. Fall fresh on us. Refresh us with the very life of God. Refresh us in our vision and our desire and our will, our ambition and our purpose, oh God. Strengthen us, oh God. Refresh us, renew us, and revive us in this journey of life. Father, that we'll not be weary and quit. We'll not go back. We'll not desire Egypt. We'll not desire the world any longer. Refresh us, oh God. Revive us. Give us new life again and again. New desire and new passion, oh God. Renew our purpose, oh God. And give us new praise. Come on, somebody. Give us new praise. Give us a new way to praise and magnify God. Come on, we lift our hands and we lift our voice, oh God, to you. You're great. You're awesome. You're awesome, Lord. You're mighty in this place, oh God. Come on, you're mighty in this place. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Come on, put your hands down again. Let me just remind you. I know I said it a couple different times. Let me say it one more time. The tenth plague, we just had communion representing that Passover. But three days later, Pharaoh came chasing the people. And listen to me. Your journey on this earth is never free from the enemy trying to chase you down. Although you have been delivered, you have to actively stand against the accuser coming again and again in your life. When they came to an impossible situation, you know what it was. It was the Red Sea. And Moses didn't know what to do. And God told him, stretch out the rod. Symbolic again of you and I using our authority, even though we have been freed, even though the power of communion is still valid and real, the enemy is relentless, and you have to continually use your authority and keep at bay the enemy. Lift the rod of God by speaking the word of God. Ephesians 6 says it is a two-edged sword. One edge brings praise to God. The other edge cuts down your enemy. So as you sing and as you worship... And as you lift your hands and as you declare who he is, your tongue rises and prays to God and God cuts down your enemy. Come on. Praise stills and silences the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes, I have ordained strength, Jesus says. That strength that even a small child spiritually can lift their hands and worship God. And the power of the kingdom of God goes to bear. Amen, everybody. Wow, 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 wow. Come on, sit down real quick. Sit down. Man, oh man. Man, glad that you're here. Glad that the power is working in you. I believe it to be so. Can somebody say amen this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it. Hey, before we go today, we want to give you an opportunity to do something that we do at the end of every service.